Peggy 18. We're back. Uh. We in effect. Uh. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> it's good to be back. It's good to be back. It's even better to be back on the topic we're on, which is Bitcoin Magazine. Or should we say Shitcoin Magazine? Because oh, there seems to be some confusion on the part of the ownership of Bitcoin Magazine about what the fuck they're doing. So let's just clear the air for them. David Bailey, tune in. Find out exactly how you are perceived in the Bitcoin community right here on Drinks with the Bitcoin Discord. Yeah, you gotta love it. He's getting called out on Twitter by uh, Pleditor. He's a great great asset to the community uh the bitcoin community on twitter bitcoin community on this discord i feel like we've um we've helped him along his journey he uh, he's a real he oh, he's a, like everyone who's on twitter go follow pleditor because he basically calls out all these um grifters shitcoiners and uh, scammers and just i don't know just generally bad bad actors in this space in the bitcoin space and he doesn't he doesn't specifically in the bitcoin space yeah, like we're talking yeah. like the people that the twitterers are usually championing we're talking like he, he was all over as were we all over ftx before mm-hmm. it collapsed because you know obvious fraud and scam just like we're currently all over coinbase binance and gemini as is predator um <laughs> you know when you identify what is and isn't a scam it becomes incredibly easy to see like oh that's a scam they're, they're promising something that can't be true they've got they've got icos they're they're minting nfts it's it's really trivial and simple and i, I don't want to take credit for anybody's journey because the reality is, is like we're just a stepping stone for a lot of these people they come in they find people here that can help them find information uh, about determining what is and isn't a scam and you know off they go to do their own things and they blossom without us and that's definitely the case with Pleditor as it is so many of our other users like they're out there doing real work yeah i love it and like he's just oh man he's a dog with a bone like every day he has some kind of video just calling out a scammer or some grifter it's it's great um so go follow him on twitter there's yeah i was just looking at this picture i'll I'll put it in the chat it's a pretty good one (laughs) what's this one Oh, just like a support group for scammers. It's like a meme. <laughs> yeah, okay, I see. It's it's just so sad because it's, you know how you're always railing against the companies in this space, you know, asserting themselves as middlemen when Bitcoin is the antithesis of middlemen. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how even of those middlemen, like, how many are scammers? How many are committing uh, fraud either through printing their own shitcoins or NFTs or like, it's beyond just incorrectly inserting themselves into bitcoin where they don't belong they're then leveraging that relationship to their users in bitcoin's ecosystem to show them nfts and scams and that's exactly what we're seeing happening for a very very long time over at bitcoin magazine yeah uh there's a great tweet that um predator is uh i think he said it on august 12th so just like a day ago David F. Bailey must be unaware that Bitcoin Magazine's NFT marketplace, which is selling off many of the first hundred ordinals, makes the claim exact quote value of their first hundred will only increase. It's pretty fucking shifty. I mean, like, even if they didn't have the claim that the value would only increase, I mean, first of all, it'd be wrong. And, And two, 
they'd still be scamming. Like when you are minting JPEGs and pretending that they have some kind of rarity or scarcity, like you're a scammer, David Bailey. You're a scammer. <laughs> the platform you're using it for is a platform for scams. Shitcoin Magazine is a platform for scams. Has been for the longest time. I mean, shit, up until late 2018, they were still literally promoting scams to their users that they weren't making. So now they're like, oh, no, 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 we're not going to do that anymore. But what we will do instead is we'll mint our own scams and we'll promote all the shit coins on top of Bitcoin that are scamming people. And then we'll absolve ourselves of it because it's on top of Bitcoin. Well, guess what? Bitcoiners are more aware than that. We're more discerning than that. And we see you scamming, David Bailey, and we're calling you the fuck out. And it's not just Predator, and it's not just me, and it's not just Fiat, and it's not just the users in this chat. It's the Bitcoin community. And it doesn't matter if you're David Bailey. It doesn't matter if you're Nick Carter. It doesn't matter if you're Jameson Lop. I don't give a fuck what your contributions to this space are if you're going to scam my peers so fuck off yeah co-signed uh it's you know there's a there's a really good reason why uh we're more animated about bitcoin magazine than all the other scammers that are mostly in crypto and shit coins the reason why is because bitcoin magazine is squatting on the bitcoin name they are unfortunately sort of the sort of the face of bitcoin to the mainstream because they have bitcoin in the name so it's kind of it is name squatting and it is it it's Can I just, just give yeah, david bailey's go, go, go. own defense to this in his own words so i've i've repeatedly asked him to stop scamming people you know it comes up on reddit all the time it's on twitter all the time he blocks users that petition him for this but uh, the last time that I brought this up to him, his response was, I've spent my entire adult life contributing to Bitcoin. I built a Bitcoin media company when there was nobody else in the world trying to do so or, or who thought it would work. I didn't get into Bitcoin because of what other people think. I got into it because of what I believe its potential is. Disagree? Great. Go do better. Thank you, David. We are doing much better. Appreciated. I'm not some NPC you can shame into compliance, and frankly, I don't care what you think of me. I'm 32 years old, and I will be here accelerating hyper-Bitcoinization for the next 30 years of my life, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. Well, David Bailey, I mean, you spent till 2018 the first nine years of Bitcoin's life shilling scams, founded a magazine with a scammer, and since 2018, you've been, and before that, frankly, you've been pushing your own scams literally making them out of thin air and selling them on end users. So no, I don't appreciate that you think that you're God's gift to Bitcoin, that you are the sole bastion of hope in a newsless landscape. You can fuck right off. We don't need you, David Bailey. Eat a dick. <laughs> so why do you think he's doing this? Is it just like an easy monument? Business and pride. It's so many entrepreneurs uh, get caught up with their, their company as their identity and making money is their identity. So he's found a way to shitcoin on top of Bitcoin that he thinks is palatable. It's not. And he's pursuing that. And he's now getting the same backlash that so many people that have Bitcoin companies that decided to shitcoin. Again, Jameson Lop and Casa uh, decided to support shitcoins and they got tons of backlash. Nick Carter and his investment groups decided to short support shitcoins. They got tons of backlash. This is just more of the same. You should expect the community of Bitcoin to act as though white blood cells. Are they always accurate in attacking an infection? No. But on the whole, you can expect to be overwhelmed by them the moment you start posing a harm to the host. And shitcoin magazine, you're a harm to the hosts. Okay, I got a clip for you. Um, it's from Magoo. 
and he's a pretty good critical voice of the Bitcoin space, much like we are on Twitter. Um, I I actually haven't listened to this yet, so th this is kind of a live kind of playthrough. We'll see what we can hear. If you have an audience and you've built your audience and you as a CEO, you're trying to change the traffic in which way your audience is going, but you can't push too hard because they push back. That is a natural reaction. And so where we are in Bitcoin is, yeah, CEOs should be very fucking particular with what they say because they built a fucking audience of saying one thing. And then if they say something else, it's going to cause friction. That's just how things work. And so a lot of people hold their tongues a lot of the times, not just in Bitcoin, in everything, everything in the world. Like if you're in a board meeting, well, that's why we have a fucking intellectually lazy people because we don't have real fucking conversations because people are so fucking afraid of being canceled that there is no fucking dialogue that is productive or goes and explores these ideas because people are afraid of fucking backlash from from like people who don't even actually know what they fucking believe and that's why people regurgitate these one-liners one sat equals one sat because they're safe they're they're safe things for them to say and like it's it's so 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 this is why this is this is this is, this is that's literally like a Nick Carter line to be honest with you because the reason so what do you, what do you no it's say? not a Nick Carter line the reality is, is people are afraid to say things that are controversial and I think that's why we don't see more of this shit getting called out is because alienating these companies sometimes even lifelong friendships like we've known some of these people in this community for over a decade yeah. and calling them out alienates them as a resource as a as a friendship that there are social repercussions to being a white blood cell in this ecosystem yeah i agree um i think there's a way to call things out like from what i've seen from... i mean do you think that there is a technique through which you could call out scammers that would see them stop scamming no, absolutely not. Well, then I think that the technique that you should apply is the one that is the loudest. Hmm. Yeah, I agree. There are far more socially palatable techniques than saying, hey, David Bailey, eat a dick. <laughs> but the reality is David Bailey needs to eat a bag of dicks. And I'm here to call for it. Okay, fair enough. It's It's not my style, but I... I sympathize. <laughs> if all that can be gained is attention to the fact that he's printing these scams, that he's harming his end users, that he's trading on the good name of Bitcoin and has for a very long time to push scams and cause harm in our community, then yeah, I will be loud and I will <laughs> get to tell him to eat a bag of dicks. So one of the nice things um, about Pledger he he kind of got bitcoin magazine to change some of their language after calling them out um right what did they do oh i saw this no this was bad yeah. i mean pleader was great but like they just changed the wording to be equally terrible they changed the wording from being uh the first 100 nfts will increase in value yeah not how that works yeah to the first 100 N nfts Sorry, I got a sandwich. In <laughs> so the so the first hundred NFTs will increase in rarity. Yeah, which again, not how that works. That is just an no. outright lie. If I print you a hundred dick prints on <laughs> a piece of paper, 
and say these are limited edition gnome dick prints and sell them to you. It doesn't matter whether I print a thousand more non-limited edition ones. Those will always be the first hundred, and I don't increase their rarity by printing more. Sh I can't increase their rarity unless I can increase the number that is in the first 100, which I can't because it's the first 100. It's like this. It just doesn't work. It's this inverted logic. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna have inflation on our NFTs, and by the way, anyone can copy and paste the same image and do the same fucking inscription bullshit. And oh, I own it. Yeah, I've got to poke it. It's unfungible. It's <laughs> I, very old. It. Like, Don't you understand? We should even like decompress, or we should like un deconstruct that premise in the, in the first instance. You know, because like deconstruct copying and pasting. Yeah. I think I think the community's got it. Like everybody who's not in crypto is mocking the <laughs> shit out of these people. Like all the gamers that are like dealing with people shoving NFTs in their game are like making copy paste jokes. I feel like it's very accessible understanding that a JPEG does not have value in terms of like you you can own it. You can own the intellectual right to property, but like you, you can't stop people from copying your JPEG. And fuck these bored yacht monkey douchebags have proven that a thousand times over. Yeah, so there's no rarity in any of these things. And it's you need a centralized authority to make it rare in quotes. And that is just retarded because this is that's not how any of this oh, and it's not even rare. It's, it's just yeah. them lying to you. Yeah, like, it's like any... David Bailey is not capable of inserting more whole numbers between one and a hundred. He's, he's he's like, oh, they'll the first hundred. They're so rare. They're going to get more rare <laughs> because we're going to print a thousand more how? like so, okay, first of all, the rarity is a lie, that, but they're keeping well, the like rarity. He can't change, like, he can't shrink the number either. Is he going to burn, yeah. like, 95 of the 100 to make the remaining five more rare? Like, what the fuck is he talking about? Right. So we got, we got that established. No rarity. It's all bullshit. And then they've admitted uh, by implication that the value will not increase because they've removed that. And Oh, no. They, what they've admitted is yeah. that they're scamming people. That's yep. what they've admitted. Oh, yeah. Like they're, they've admitted that they are promising people that these things have value, whether it's going to go up or not, and that they're rare and that they're sought after and you should give them money to buy them, even though you're not actually buying anything. It's snake oil. It's it's a scam. It's a scam when it's on Bitcoin. It's a scam when it's on shit coins. Putting it on Bitcoin doesn't make it not a scam. Just like putting, for example, RSK on Bitcoin doesn't make it not a shitcoin. Yeah. Just like these company gift cards like Tether, they're shitcoins. Like, like it's a company gift card. It has none of the properties of Bitcoin. Just like these federated liquid shitcoins for companies are shitcoins. Federations aren't Bitcoin. Just like Fediment is shitcoins. Shitcoins on Bitcoin are everywhere. And Bitcoiners need to wake up to the fact and start discerning and cutting out these shitcoin service providers just because you use bitcoin for your bullshit does not make it bitcoin and they will yeah they, you can spam with bitcoin all day they conflate that fact all day and that's how they i don't know they just they bullshit their way through this ecosystem. it's free money for them i mean yeah well i like, could print thousands of nfts in a heartbeat right here for pretty much nothing why wouldn't I if I can sell them to idiots? Yeah. Except for the fact that, you know, I ethics. 
I don't. I'm not interested in scamming people for money like David Bailey is. So the the people who buy these things are other grifters who think they can flip these things, um, or they're shitcoiners who don't know better and they just they've been saturated in the crypto space, and maybe they're like, oh, I'm gonna move over to Bitcoin. Hey, there's some there's some shitcoins on Bitcoin. I'll, I'll like I'll gamble. Um, and it, you know, they'll, they'll get burned and learn the hard way or maybe not learn and just, I don't know. Oh, so it's even worse when they don't want learn. If they hit like a mini lottery and get out before the rug pull, oh. then they think that it validates them and they like completely lose their ass when they go all in. It's so sad to see like cycle on cycle. Yeah. Like if you, if you get the misfortune of winning in your first run very very much without learning the hard lessons you're going to get burned long term it happened to a lot of bitcoiners right at the advent of these shit coins uh, a lot of early bitcoin adopters won big on bitcoin without really understanding it in any way shape or form just understanding the marketing and ideals of like oh i, I want to be a libertarian i want to be self-sovereign i want to whatever and they're like oh great now all these other things are equally decentralized because i didn't understand what i was buying in the first place now i'm going to go buy these shit coins thinking that they're you know, they've got a blockchain, therefore they're the same. Um, and that they're just going to do all these things and it's going to even be better than Bitcoin. And they lose their ass because they didn't ever understand what they were buying. Well, Bitcoin does attract uh, risk takers. Um, yeah. So it's it's natural for people to want to, um, like, and short attention spans is like ADHD. Oh, okay, I'm in Bitcoin. Now what's the other thing? And so... There is no other thing, people. <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, you're, you, you stay around long enough, you realize uh, everything else is a scam. Everything else conflates and lies and overpromises, underdelivers. When we say everything else, just to be clear, we're, we're talking like everything else that's calling itself decentralized in cryptocurrency. Not to say that there aren't decentralized things. It's just you don't have to buy them. Like DHT torrents. You don't buy DHT torrents. There's no token tokenization is not decentralization um you can have decentralized or distributed networks that have no relationship to these kinds of things and you can have all kinds of bitcoins technologies used uh without them being scams be they merkle tree based kind of blockchains whether they be proof of work you know hash cash style ddos protections like you don't need to sell something for these solutions like it's the reason that all the cryptocurrency is a scam is because they self-select by making these outrageous claims that they can't meet, like that they're decentralized, um, like that they've got an economic security model, um, and they're all, like, and that they're like Bitcoin at all, and, and they're not, and they don't, and that's the scam. And so it can be very jarring to come into the ecosystem and be told, oh, you know, all of these things are scams, and it's like, oh, well, that's very tribal. And I can see why a lot of people think that. But the reality is, is that there's a self-selection process by which calling yourself a cryptocurrency and kind of making any of these claims makes you a scam. So it's very convenient for us in that we can give these very general rules of like, oh, you know, everything that's not Bitcoin is a scam. But they're not hard and fast rules. And the reality is, is that there's a lot of scams on Bitcoin, too. These rules are too general to be applied to the scams on Bitcoin as well. You gotta understand why they're scams. And they're, they're scams for a lot of reasons, but primarily the following. They make false claims. They've got centralized companies running their state machines. Um, and the cl claims that are false usually revolve around things like decentralization, uh, state security, and blockchains. 
the reality is blockchain doesn't actually provide any of the features that we value about in Bitcoin. It's just a ledger and it's not immutable. It can be reorganized at will. It's It's got really nothing special in those properties going along. What, what it does allow is allows us to verify through, uh, you know, a, a linear chain state. And that's a very useful function. But it's only useful if you've got full nodes and economic security in the form of something like proof of work, certainly not proof of stake, where there's no ongoing cost to attack. And there's this ongoing cost to mutate the chain state. And that through that cost comes the economic immutability that we value. And through everybody verifying the entire chain comes these properties of self-sovereignty and decentralization and the network effect, which brings with it Bitcoin's properties of value. It's the network actors acting in a Nash equilibrium protocol that produces the Bitcoin that we value. And realizing that isn't a simple realization. It's far less simple than shit coins are bad, Bitcoin is good. But once you get that, you can then be like, okay, this person's selling me RSK. It's on top of Bitcoin, but like, how does it manage state? What are its security properties? How do I as a user exert my sovereignty over that state? Um, am I trusting anybody? Who, who am I trusting, for example, to convert my Bitcoin to RSK tokens? And the answer is you're, you're trusting a peg. And they'll use all of this verbiage as shitcoins do to try and convince you that it's trustless. But the more you dig, the more you find that there are, in fact, definitive trust points and that it's really just kind of a, a series of obfuscations of that trust, uh, kicking it down the line to federations and groups of individuals there's so much to impact like i must have had like like 10 or or so points that i wanted to get to and now i've forgotten them all <laughs> but it's, well, that's because you let me ramble I you gotta interrupt i really people. do have you to write like down my thoughts in. when I, when you're doing that oh no, my you, God. you just gotta jump in you gotta be like <laughs> no but no, you're on a roll you're on a roll bud i'm like oh keep going I'll keep rolling bro. <laughs> keep going right over you if i'm rolling <laughs> Oh, shit. Uh, maybe I'll play a clip from Magoo again. MB22, right? It was, we let them participate in the fact that they had a Bitcoin product. And the agreement was that they would only talk about said Bitcoin product, right? In the assumption that the people who didn't understand Bitcoin or the idea of Bitcoin maximalism or the idea of being Bitcoin only would be exposed towards that idea right okay so this is a bitcoin magazine employee kind of explaining their philosophy on who they accept on stage at these bitcoin uh, conferences <laughs> and his philosophy of bitcoin only is basically you can be a shitcoin scammer but you you only have you can only talk about bitcoin on stage and if you don't, none of them did that though. Yeah, exactly. They all talked about their shit coins. They did, just as they have at every conference. There's no enforcement. There's no enforcement of that rule, and so they're well. It's by design. Bitcoin yeah. raising themselves as shit coining at their conferences. Like, the, yeah, the, the, any care is is a lie. Yeah, as evidenced by their actions. So let's let's continue on with this clip because it's kind of interesting. And you can agree or disagree that that might be the right or the wrong way to bring the masses. <laughs> towards a Bitcoin only or a Bitcoin maximalist perspective. But ultimately, the way as a company as we view it is the best way to expose the masses to that ideal. 
the best way to expose masses to Bitcoin ideals is to give platforms to shitcoiners to spam their shitcoin propaganda and products. That's what I just heard. Yeah. And it's, it's certainly what I've witnessed every time I've watched a, a Bitcoin magazine sponsored conference. It is. It is dishonest. <laughs> yeah. It's dishonest. Yeah, it like I, it makes me angry listening to it. I don't know who you are, nameless employee, but I want to yell at you because you're lying to me and you're lying to my peers, and I don't appreciate that. His name's Alan on Twitter. Um, he he was fuck you, Alan. He was drunk at the time, and he he disavowed himself as a representative of Big, of Bitcoin Magazine while on stage. So well, I'm a representative, <laughs> me, and I'm saying that that's some bullshit. You want to hear more of this bullshit? Because he goes on. No, I don't want to <laughs> okay, hear okay, more okay. of this. Bullshit. I think we got the idea. There's, I'm I'm sick of being lied to by these yeah. middlemen, by these Bitcoin companies. I I don't. I got out of traditional finance to escape the very thing that plagues us worse than it has ever plagued traditional finances. We have more scams. We have more fraud. We have more absolutely disgusting business people than any bank I've ever walked into. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm beyond unimpressed with the direction that the Bitcoin ecosystem has taken in terms of embracing these middlemen, enabling these scammers, uh, and adopting their lies, even at our most pivotal conferences. Like the way that the Bitcoin communities rallied around these conferences where shitcoins are the theme is disgusting to me. It is disappointing. Um, I don't, I don't feel that Bitcoin twenty twenty four or twenty twenty three or whatever number year it is, Bitcoin current year conference. I'm. It's not a Bitcoin conference. It's like a. It's a trade show. It's to market yeah. um, these Bitcoin companies in quotes. Um, as we've talked about before, there's no such thing as a Bitcoin company. There's... There are. They're just not currently in practice, are there very many? Yeah. Bitcoin company reduces trust of the users using it. They don't require you to trust it any more than is the absolute minimum necessary through Bitcoin. Uh, so, for example, LN Pool yeah. is a service from Lightning Labs that is very low trust business. There's uh, swap services that are very, very low trust businesses. They're centralized. Um, but through the power and magic of Bitcoin and layers like Lightning, we can dramatically reduce the trust that you have to have in a business to do any number of functions. So there are Bitcoin companies. They're just, they're not very prominent. I don't know. Um, well, even then, obvious? like, for example, uh, Lightning Labs, uh, they decided that they weren't making any money on these trustless businesses or low trust businesses. And so they started shitcoining on top of Bitcoin. Right? Because that's where the money is. So even in instances where you've got a company that maybe has a low trust product, you look at the other things that they're offering and you're like, oh, no, they're, they're making scams. And yes, I am accusing Lightning Labs and, and Tarot and their visions for uh, a corporate gift card on top of Lightning that they control and calling it a stable coin. That's, that's, a, that's a scam. That's, that's shit coin. Yep. You do not need company script. We got away from company script over 100 years ago, and there's a damn good reason for it. It's because it's abusive. And if you don't see that in the ecosystem today with all these stable coins and rug pulls and shit coins, God help you, you're never going to see it. So this is, and somewhat pivoting here, um, 
This is why I don't see the logic in the argument by drive chain advocates that somehow if we implement drive chain, it'll it'll uh, sort of kill all the shitcoins when really it's just it's another vector on which shitcoins can propagate. So I, I don't appreciate that argument by drive chain ag advocates. It's an argument by the exact same logic that Bitcoin Magazine and others that are doing these scams on top of Bitcoin assert. It, it follows the logic of if it's not Bitcoin, it's a scam. And if it is on Bitcoin, it's not a scam. And that's not the logic to apply. You have to evaluate these scams based on the things that we described earlier. And yeah, it's more nuanced and complex, but it does produce the right answer. And the right answer is that company script is a scam. Uh, so here's a question. Especially, like, it's one thing if you get a Starbucks gift card, but when you've got a company that provides no products or services and they're selling a gift card to you mm -hmm. to be redeemed for no products and services, why aren't you asking what the fuck? So a fair question and related to this is my question. At what point is some of these scams uh, not a scam to an end user? Like, say there's full disclosure and full understanding by a user that uh, the trust properties they're... of these products and say, okay, I understand Fediment is a total rug pull situation um, as an end user and therefore I'm not going to put more than $100 on these things. Is that is that a fair? Um... Well, for one, I don't think there's anything fair about the logic of this is a total scam, so I'll only put a hundred dollars. <laughs> but but no, I don't think that it's entirely fair. Just because the idea that you're going to limit your risk, but still investigate all these scams is is nonsense. I mean, if before Bitcoin came out, somebody started up a fintech bank and said. We've got this money, it's not accepted anywhere, and we don't provide any services for it, but it's worth a dollar. <laughs> it's like a Mr. Arnom buck from from Mr. Arnom's buck business. And you can use it as a dollar, and it represents a dollar, and you can use it to hold your digital wealth. Like, would you or anyone else have bought that in 2008? Hmm. It's incoherent. There is no value proposition there. It's nonsense. It is company script with no company store. Well, okay, there might be an advantage here. If I can peg in immediately with Lightning and peg out and settle out with Lightning into this product that is script, that is Canadian dollar, this, this um, well no it's not dollars. you don't know what it is it's an iou yeah and the company is asserting it's something but you don't know that well okay this is my argument what if i know that and what if the company is disclosing that it is an iou but i mean like how do you know that it's backed by anything and so like you're basically saying if if i make a fraud and i'm completely transparent about the fraud <laughs> is it not fraud and the answer is no it's still fraud and honestly this is how a lot of fraud works so like I've got a little bit of experience dealing with victims of uh, pyramid scams mm. uh, and other kinds of traditional scams like that. And the funny thing about these pyramid scams is I've actually never run into an instance where they lie about what it is. They always tell the complete truth about what it is. They just frame it in such a way that this is how you make money and this is good. And like you're smart and you're dedicated and you manage your way to the top of the pyramid through recruiting people. And of course you get paid. You earned it. And the people who didn't get paid, they just didn't earn it the way that you did. 
because they didn't recruit enough people. They weren't as good at their job. It's a job. And so, like, they get this scam explained to them in a way that's not even false. But <laughs> it entertains, I don't know, that part of their brain that, that wants to make money and isn't thinking about risk or how things work. And I think the same is very true for a lot of these, like, stable coins and, and shit coins on top of Bitcoin. Like, they're not hiding how they work. In fact, a lot of these shit coins aren't hiding how they work. They're open source and... The way their network functions is very public, and you can investigate all these things to your heart's content. They would argue that they're being as transparent as can be. Fiat, well, are they not scams? I think their main argument is they are potential scaling solutions in the event that, you know, Bitcoin fees go to the moon and we have to all go to Lightning, and maybe Lightning becomes unviable for some people because the Lightning fees go up too. So these banks are potential scaling solutions. Yeah. If well, that's what they're saying. Like, is basically that argument. We've already got saying. those. That's what they're saying. So these, are, like, these are somewhat digital banks, and therefore will be these banks that... Well, they're also saying that they're, you know, decentralized and that they've got economic security. And, like, the reality is that they're dramatically less safe than a bank. Yeah, because of, well, we don't know who these people are. Um, and... In part, that's one of the reasons. But what we do know is that they're not secure. So like we can we can look at the the cost to attack, for example, an economic state machine, and we can be like, oh, well, that's trivial. If somebody gets a botnet that's big enough, or deploys software with a virus, like that chain is attackable just at will. Hmm. Or a nation state gets grumpy one day, you know. It's and we see a lot of that happen. Like whether temporary or not, often by the people who even issue the shit coins, they'll attack their own their own scams you see the rug pull <laughs> oh it was last week maybe somebody rug pulled uh, a bunch of shit coiners with their shit coin and then reapproached the shit coiners posing as lawyers to represent them and rug pulled them again really that's hilarious <laughs> yeah. i didn't hear that that's amazing yeah, i don't know the veracity of it i you know not really involved in this shit coin stuff but well, that's often that's the what case. I was reading. That's often the case is like double dipping by scammers. It's like, oh, th these guys are vulnerable. I'm just going to go after them again with another angle because they're retarded. You know, something that happened to one of the scams that I was involved in trying to bust up. Uh, it was a shitcoin scam. I was trying to audit it to prove that it wasn't doing what it was saying it was doing. Uh, released my, my little community audit and they rug pulled just before it came out. Um, but the thing that they did that's interesting is after they rug pulled, they sold the closed source code and the concept of managing the shitcoin to another party. They sold the shitcoin management and let other scammers run with it. Yeah. And it ended up doing this like three or four times. Just the same shitcoin, the same rug pulling, just like three or four times. And it, it's crazy. I can't believe people fall for that shit. I look at the stuff that people fall for in this ecosystem, and I'm I'm deeply disappointed with my peers. Like it's clear that much more needs to be done to educate them. And in fact, that as the hypothetical user you were describing some time ago, you know, they come into the ecosystem, they think they're going to get interested in Bitcoin. They see all these other things, and especially since they're going to the exchange that advertised and brought them in in the first place, the so-called adoption. And then at that very exchange in the onboarding process, they get indoctrinated with a whole bunch of fucking shitcoin. Well, I, I, I think it's generous to call them our peers. Like they are just 
they don't know what they're looking at. They they're don't... not our Bitcoin peers. They're our, they're our peers in humanity. Yeah, yeah. And I still want to protect those peers. Like Absolutely. I'm about Absolutely. Them... I'm just saying they're not they're not aware of what we're aware of. So it, it's it's a different. I don't know. It's a different. But does scale. that make us? It doesn't make us better then, right? Like there was a point in time when I'm not saying that you weren't aware, or or that you could even maybe imagine a situation in which you weren't born with, say, the computer literacy that you have, or even the access to computers that you currently have, and you know you're much slower on the uptake of Bitcoin, and that's you know through no no fault of your own. You shouldn't be onboarded through scammers and victimized just because you're either slow or stupid i mean nobody chooses how smart they are yep agree and so like, that's why it's important that we call this shit out it's why we yeah. stop companies like bitcoin magazine from victimizing our peers whether they're and actual bitcoiners or not there's tons of smart people in the shitcoin space they just they've been fed very wrong narratives and information so it's it's really hard to deprogram some of these um some of these narratives a lot of them are involved in companies working for them running them that they have a, a pretty dr direct financial incentive to not understand the ways that they're scamming and i think that you can see this cognitive dissonance really at play with folks like uh, jameson lop brilliant bitcoiner does fantastic work in the ecosystem but he will absolve himself of selling scam services to his clients of his business because he's not using the scams and they're going to use the scams anyway so he might as well make it safer for them and yeah the reality is that's just a moral justification for an immoral activity well if you want to andreas antonopoulos is kind of similar in that respect right he wrote the yep. mastering ethereum book after the mastering bitcoin book and, oh yeah, and he, he's yeah. been pushing that scam since it was an ICO of seventy percent. Like he, he's he's caused enormous community harm through pushing that scam, among other things. Yeah, him on stage with like Ethereum folks was probably a very low low for for him, in my eyes at least. Um, no, his low low is this bx seed scandal oh sad milk lady <laughs> you want to talk about that that's an interesting issue yeah yeah i, I wrote a psa about that uh did you read it yeah yeah i mean uh you've been trying to get the word out i've been trying to get the word out and clutter has been trying to get the word out lots of people trying to get the world out um yeah no, and yeah so the long and short of it here for those that don't know is in the book mastering bitcoin andreas had uh antonopoulos gives explicit instructions to use an insecure and unvetted seed generation procedure that produces a static seed in the worst case and a 30-bit entropy seed 32, in the best case. 32-bit. My bad. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's, it's devastating. He should be pulling all of those books off of the shelf he's not going to do that there's no way he's going to do that but if he had even an inkling of moral responsibility he would be pulling every one of his books off the shelf especially in the context that the library that he tells people to use is not going to be fixed and is going to continue to expose new people so just to maybe more clarify on this issue this was a bad entropy generation issue where 
you generate your seed in um, uh, the most secure way possible is typically with dice rolls because that's real world entropy generation and you want to do more than 100 dice rolls of a six-sided dice with typically casino dice because those are the best ones that uh, generate the best randomness. Entropy can be thought of kind of like random numbers. Um, we use these random numbers to generate seed words, private keys, because um, we need something really, really, really fucking random in order to get uh, a random output. Um, and that kind of makes your Bitcoin secure. Uh, I but I butchered this ex explanation. There's probably better explanations, yeah, but just a little bit. Yeah, you go well, for I mean, it. You did fine. No, I'm you did fine. It was a very accessible explanation. <laughs> I'm not going to step on it. Okay, no. okay, okay. So that's the basics of it's, the, the issue. long and short of it. Is exactly as you said. People need randomness yeah. or entropy in order to generate their keys, and what secures them is the fact that anybody that is randomly generating their keys would take until the heat death of the universe to actually find one that someone else has already generated. And roll, so the randomness yeah. is entirely the security of your keys. It's very important. And so with this library, libbitcoinlibrary, it was referenced in the Mastering Bitcoin book for key generation. And people found that this library did not have enough entropy, not enough dice rolls, for example, maybe only 30 dice rolls, which is not enough to have a secure private key. Um, and then there was some uh, interesting activity on the Bitcoin blockchain recently where maybe... That's a nice way of saying there's a thousand Bitcoin accounts yes. that have been drained. Yes. Because of this issue. Maybe. So... Strong likelihood. There, Yeah, there is an overwhelming number of unified reports at the same time and date uh, in the last month for sweeping wallets generated using this mechanism uh, of bx seed and libbitcoin so don't use libbitcoin don't don't buy mastering bitcoin don't give andreas the time of day insist that he recall the books with this user harming ad advice in it like it's literally code snippets that if you use will cause your coins to vanish yeah so just and we have to pressure him to get rid of these books. Another issue, too, is that the day before, or maybe even on the day of this issue becoming public, the milk sad issue of bad entropy, he came out with a video on his YouTube channel um, with an, an example of someone who lost Bitcoin because of bad entropy. And he explains why you shouldn't use bad entropy, but he never refers to this milk sad issue in which he is involved in this video. People have already generated a whole bunch of obvious or related word seeds that are repeats of the same words with a valid checksum because they assumed that people would do that just like people have done so for very simplistic brain wallets as they were called in the early days of Bitcoin where people would take a phrase like Mary has a little lamb and they would hash that phrase and turn that into a Bitcoin private key. So what people did was they ran terabytes of possible word combinations, created databases of all the possible keys and stored, yeah, just like people using password as their password or let's go Lakers or some very simple phrase like that, may the force be with you. 
And people have created dictionaries of such easy to guess sequences. And the dictionaries are in databases that have the corresponding Bitcoin address and the corresponding private key pre-generated. When you pre-generate hashes or keys or things like that, that's called a rainbow table. It's a common technique used to crack easy to guess passwords. And people will then run another script that looks at every transaction that goes across the blockchain, looking for a payment to one of the addresses that are in their database. So every transaction will come by, they'll look at all of the outputs and they'll say, do any of these addresses belong to our database? Which with a database is very quick function to run. And as soon as they find a payment to one of these, they ask the database, well, what was the private key that we pre-computed to this? They're not figuring out the private key from the public key. They figured out the private key first for obvious seeds and then calculated the Bitcoin address that corresponds to it. So they have the private key. And then they immediately spend the money that was sent to that. It's really disappointing that he didn't even bother to verify any of the tools that he was directing people to. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, and this this has become something we've seen over and over from Andreas, is just the gross irresponsibility out of an eagerness to get out in front and to lead people as an influencer. He, He would sooner be first than he would be correct. Yeah, so I'm, I'm a bit disappointed in the lack of responsibility being taken here and the sort of, like, he's acknowledging the issue, but not. It's it's very, I don't like... Well, because if he acknowledges the issue too yeah. much, then he's liable because he is liable. He is responsible for every loss incurred by those individuals that followed the advice in his book. Yeah, and hopefully he should be legally liable. He should be responsible. And if he, he even if he had any moral responsibility, he would be removing the book from circulation. He'd be recalling it, buying copies back because he would not want to see people hurt. Um, he's not the only one responsible. The Lib Bitcoin developers uh, who maintain the library are refusing to change the weak entropy code. Oh, they, they could very well be the ones scamming yeah, for all we absolutely. know. And it, there's some suspicious timing with that library in that uh, the activity on the library ceased when uh, these exploits were being done on chain. Yeah. So it, it's just, it's all bad, man. It just, it's, it smells so bad. Um, there's a reason that we teach the things we teach here in terms of like verifying your entropy, verifying that it was processed correctly. It's not enough to create your own entropy you then need to on multiple devices and software implementations rederive the outputs from that entropy in terms of making sure that it's creating the right addresses it's not adding its own entropy it's not messing you around any if you aren't recreating things you're not verifying if you're not reading code you're not verifying like it's it may sound complicated but it's really procedural and it's not that different from like cooking or driving a car and frankly anybody can do it you don't need to be intimidated it's just a skill set yep 100 uh, percent agree don't trust verify you know ask ask the same question in multiple places so that yeah. you're getting the same answer. If you're getting conflicting answers, then your red flag should be up. 
and you should be yeah and you don't put any bitcoin yeah. to any of it you need to at that point further verify and figure out why one of the things you're using is giving you a different answer because something's very wrong so just um just a mitigation on this issue use use commonly used hardware wallets to kind of protect yourself from obscure un unaudited libraries that may have bad entropy issues um i don't think that that's a protection you don't I think that that's lazy is what i think well that is. it's somewhat like okay there's a massive pot over here so hopefully and it, and like there's you don't many need users. to verify everything man you only need to verify what you're doing and if that's all you need to verify then it's really not that bad don't just grab a treasure or a ledger or whatever because it's a popular wallet and assume that the entropy generation is safe i think that that's bad advice mm. i think that if you want to use any wallet i don't care if it's a ledger or a treasure or a cold card or a seed signer or your own little glacier protocol i think that you verify and then that way it doesn't matter what wallet you use because you've made sure it's safe All right, fair point. Um, if if you so, want... like, just sorry, just to give yeah. users that do use, for example, Trezor or Ledger, an idea of what that would mean for them. It would mean generating your entropy with dice rolls or coin flips, mm -hmm. and it would mean operating your device attached to an air-gapped computer as opposed to attached to an online computer, and signing PSBTs and manually transacting them on an online computer. So, create an air-gap and verify your change addresses, verify your entropy generation processing, and you're well on your way. And this is why I like the cold card, because like you don't even have to have it plugged into your computer. You can use an SD card to ma maintain the air gap. You never have to connect it to the internet to use it. Um, and you can do this all offline fairly easily. You can use like a battery power or power directly from the wall. Yep. No cords. And it, there's so many different, you know, attack vectors that users need to be aware of for the more s significant stuff, like whether it's side channel attacks, you know, and that's why, for example, some people use a battery power for their hardware wallets. They don't want to stick it into a wall yeah, yeah. lest somebody be measuring, you know, their Voltages. electricity differences. Crazy. Um, and to be honest, there, there are ways that that's obfuscated through most hardware wallets. They will... Uh, have random power draws throughout the cryptographic processes to obfuscate that secret generation but it's still a, a serious thing and it's still something you protect yourself from and it may seem overwhelming at times all of these things that you don't understand that you need to protect yourself from but by following you know procedures like for example an, an air gap that eliminates most online attack vectors just straight up they're just gone a related kind of topic i was talking to a guy at a bitcoin meetup this week and I was trying to explain to him, there is a paradigm shift when you generate a private key entirely offline and connected to a battery. It is, it is like most people are plugging a USB into a computer when they're generating their seed phrase. And it's just, it's not great. It's not great. Um, but when you experience, um, generating a seed phrase offline no connection to a computer just um just an aa battery or, uh, or rolling dice yeah or, and rolling dice it is like 
holy shit, math, math works even offline. And uh, it's, it's kind of, a, it protects you when you do it offline in private secretly. Like it's, well, it's a as, light bulb. as safe. It's a light yes, bulb. Moment. It is. It changes the way that we think about things and too many in Bitcoin need that light bulb that you're describing. They're still, they don't see the problem with plugging something in to their computer. Well, it's a and moment. Frankly, like, a lot of people that it's a moment comparable are. to when you do your first Bitcoin transaction, it's like, whoa, that's neat. But when you <laughs> when you do your first uh, seed phrase uh, offline generation with dice, it's like, holy shit, math works and it doesn't need an Internet connection. It's it's better served without an Internet connection, if I'm being entirely honest, yeah. as much as many uh, bit bit go um, engineers don't want me to say as much. Not bit go. What's what's the one I'm thinking of? Bitco sure. engineer was the one that lost their ass in Coinbase. Some Bitbox, something Bitbox engineers. Um, oh, right. They're very adamant that you need to plug in everything and have a trusted setup, and that's fine uh, for them. Oh, it's not fine for me. According, <laughs> according to them. That's such bullshit. So <laughs> much bullshit. It's just I want to highlight that these uh, these companies again, uh, people profiting off of your your Bitcoin usage even when they're not middlemen, when they're just like, say, selling pickaxes and shovels, they'll tell you whatever they think that they can tell you to sell you a pickaxe or a shovel. Yeah, my my gripe with them is they're like Bitcoin only firmware. Oh, they're a Bitcoin only hardware wallet. No, their default is shitcoins on their hardware wallet. They even sell shitcoins. They even sell shitcoins within their uh, within their GUI wallet, um, yeah. which is another problem. Uh, so, I'm not a fan of Bitbox because they lie. They simply lie. Well, uh, find find me the Bitcoin company that's not lying. Yeah, honestly, that's like true. I can't I can't name one. I can't name a a Bitcoin company that I like. I can name Bitcoin companies that don't make me trust them as much, like uh, Bitcoin Well and Bold Bitcoin. But even Bold Bitcoin and Bitcoin Well, I don't like as companies. Sure, I don't support as companies. They're middlemen. It's not even that they're middlemen. Um, I think that they're doing an acceptable job being relatively low trust middlemen. It's that Bitcoin well supports shitcoins at its ATMs. <laughs> and it's that bull Bitcoin actively lobbied for the current KYC regime and enabled the fucking stupid trucker protests up here. I think well, that... Those are two different like, issues. I, I just have, those are two different issues. They are, but I'm, I'm dramatically against both of them. So like, I, think in I, principle, I have no support for those In companies. principle, Gnome, I think you are in favor of that second one. Um, because you do... Oh, I'm really not. Well, in principle, I think you are. Um, because when you zoom out, it's it's okay. It's it's protesting against the government in a way. And and on any issue, we want that ability. We want... Oh, absolutely. I'm for protesting against the government. But let's just be clear about a couple things. <laughs> One, they were not protesting using Bitcoin in any way, shape, or form. Well, they were. Uh, that's... Well, no, that's yeah. how they don't have any Bitcoin, and it's oh how no, the no, 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 no. They the they do not have how... all the Bitcoin. They seized thirty three percent of it. They uh, were able to disseminate sixty six percent of it to the truckers. They disseminated it in the form of handing out private keys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And instructions and on how to use those. It wasn't a protest. It was literally the blockading of an international border 
the actual protest part had nothing to do with Bitcoin. It wasn't even being funded by Bitcoin in any appreciable way we found out after the fact. Um, I don't know if we know if that. Like, I don't know if we know that. And the inquiry suggested that almost all of the money was coming from traditional finance. Do, do you think the people and, who received those Bitcoin in those private key folders are disclosing those things and want, wanting to make those things known? No. No. Why would they make that known in a public inquiry? Why would they want any attention well, associated with that? You realize that, like, I mean, we've got a, a public blockchain and they did absolutely nothing. Like, we're talking about the most Ooh. amateur, retarded group of protesters that you've ever seen in your life. I don't know. Like, they they, they did nothing to obfuscate their usage. They did nothing to you know that. protect the... You don't know if they haven't... They made a coin join. Maybe they're just holding on to the private key and not using it until they know how to use it. If that's true, then the inquiry and the, the the tracking of all of the Bitcoin that was seized is false, as is the investigation and prosecution of those handing it out. I believe that. Well, I, I don't, because I'm not a lunatic conspiracy theorist. Ooh, well, you may be right. <laughs> no, it's it's... Honestly, like, not only do I not support anything that these protesters were protesting about, I support their right to protest. But, like, well, if that's, this that's is my how point. You, think that you, you agree go in principle with their right to protest. I agree with anybody's yes. right to protest. Yes. But, like, in the same way that uh, if First Nations in Canada decided that blocking the uh, border for three and a half weeks and stopping all international traffic was how they were going to get attention to their issues and i'd be against that i'm against these lunatic not even truckers calling them truckers a disservice we're talking about less than one percent of the trucking industry in canada ruining 99 percent of the trucking industry in canada so like this is an anti-blue collar protest uh that is scientifically illiterate and they're having a tantrum because even though they've been mandated to have vaccines their entire lives they suddenly think that they shouldn't have to no, I have I have zero sympathy for them. I think that they should have gotten their ass kicked to the curb on day one. I think that if you want to protest, if you want to do the things that they claim they wanted to do, like they were talking about, they wanted a coup. They brought many brought weapons. Um, Who? And if you want to do that, like the, you the don't people in Alberta there, or the people in Ottawa or the people in Ontario, both. You, you think uh, both the Peace people... Bridge and the Coots border crossing both got caught and charged groups with armed insurrection attempts the coots one they ended up finding uh literally plans uh, along with assault weapons on site so like i don't know they, they they said they claimed they were going to kill rcmp officers take that as you will this was in alberta that was in coots yeah right so but the peace the peace uh bridge one they absolutely had weapons on site there too. So, what, what would you classify as a weapon? A handgun, a grenade? Well, handguns are illegal in Canada, <laughs> so yeah, I would definitely classify a handgun as a weapon. Well, what weapon was on there? That's my question. I couldn't list them for you. I just know that the weapons were found in the properties of those arrested. Okay. Um, I think you agree more than you than you think you do no, I, think, I think i think this is ide i think this is mostly ideologically it, motivated this is mostly mo ideologically motivated it, it's in many ways like i agree with the right to protest i don't agree that what they were doing was protesting it was domestic terrorism 
that's that's a huge mischaracterization in my eyes um i mean at the exact same time that this was happening to draw a parallel for you at the exact same time that the peace bridge was blocked and coots was blocked uh the protesters in bc were actively blocking logging trails to stop development through their ancestral lands which while enabled by the current chief wasn't being enabled by the hereditary band members so the hereditary band members were protesting and those protests despite having significant number despite you know chaining themselves to stuff were broken up in a heartbeat with the snap of a finger and they were broken up repeatedly at the exact same time you had police officers posing with folks with weapons on the peace bridge giving thumbs up and, and getting bought coffee it's i think you those do, weren't i think protests. you no i really think you do a disservice to yourself to characterize any of that as domestic terrorism i really do is i okay what do you call uh blocking international borders of commerce and threatening the seat of government for three and a half weeks not terrorism you you call that protesting that's what you think is protesting I, protesting I is what happens i wouldn't classify it as just protesting either but i wouldn't classify it as core. domestic terrorism i think that is a bit of a stretch i mean they were inciting a violence and fear with the no, goal they of were overthrowing not. the government they according to themselves they were i not. mean according to themselves they wanted to overthrow the government if one person no not one the, person was. not one person a large organization of people who then barricaded themselves inside a fucking church like it's not one person portraying this as one person and not an organization of people is disingenuous it's the same organization that's currently rolling on our fair city as we speak uh what are they calling themselves now rolling thunder in in reference to uh, an actual victim support group that they're kind of trying to play off the name of and they're they're going to do it again like at least that's protesting having a convoy that's that's traveling and like going through cities and and like people have message, a right to travel protesting. in canada it's in their Absolutely. charter right. and i'm i'm with you you know what they don't have a right to do block international borders for weeks at a time okay you want to block a logging road Great, that's protesting a company that's logging. You you want to go sit in front of city hall? Absolutely, go sit in front of city hall. But like, you want to bring weapons to the border and threaten the seat of government? That's domestic terrorism. Do you think people should be charged with that? I do. I think the convoy organizers should absolutely be charged with domestic terrorism. Yeah. Hmm. And so I don't support bull Bitcoin because. <laughs> I love how we're going back to why we don't support the Bitcoin company. I'm just saying, that, like, I'm, I'm not. These are things that I don't support. These aren't yeah. my values. Fair, fair, fair. These, like, fair, I'm, fair. I'm about supporting protesting. You're right, yeah. but I don't believe that any way that you can express disagreement with the government is therefore protesting. I don't know. I think it's a low bar to call all that domestic terrorism. But is it a gray area? Absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of people peacefully protesting. You know what they did? They left when the police 
asked them to leave mm -hmm. and they went and they protest across the street and that was the majority so like i'm not talking about them i'm talking about the people who literally occupied international borders for weeks on end And I'm, I'm drawing distinctions between, you know, other protest activities in Canada. Be honest with yourself. If any other group than entitled white men was doing that and calling it a protest, would it have lasted for three and a half weeks? You can't see the Idle No More group block a road in the middle of nowhere for days. You can't see people on their own land blocking a logging road in the middle of nowhere for a week. You telling me that there wasn't some kind of special treatment from the local police, the OPS and the RCMP in terms of the Peace Bridge, for example? Like, I feel like the investigation pretty clearly indicated that there was. There was corruption at the highest levels of our police forces in the province, and it was incumbent on the federal government to literally call the Emergencies Act to put an end to it because the people that could put an end to it had chosen not to. Yeah, I feel like there was a bit of a chicken and egg situation, um, but who who knows? I don't know. Yeah, so either way, long story short, don't support anti-vaxxers, which honestly is a lot of people in this space. We found out a lot of a lot of Bitcoiners, uh, they, they pick and choose when to be scientifically literate, we'll put it that way. And their their scientific literacy doesn't extend beyond the um, function of their ideological views. So, and through that comes a lot of support through for that protest in this community. So I really dislike uh, this conversation <laughs> for so many for so many reasons. Oh, let's fight about it, boy! I, I don't really like to. <laughs> um, right. And. Uh, for, for my part, this feels more like a disagreement in perspectives, political perspectives, um, which... I just think that if you're going to have a coup, you should have a coup. Well, that's a perspective. You shouldn't go have a camp out on, the, on an international border with your guns and hope that it all goes well. Like, if this was a coup, this is the worst planned, attempted, like... It was very Canadian. Change it was very Canadian. I've ever seen in my life. Um, so I don't think it was a coup. I don't think it was planned as one. Um, there were clearly false flags, literal false flags throughout this thing um, to help the government enable itself to have more power, which maybe it should have had. Um, I mean, I don't think it should have that power, generally speaking. I don't I don't really like that they had to use it. I think that something well, desperately here, here's, wrong. Here's another thing that happened was, was the seizure of funds. Um, like, you know, frozen bank accounts because people donated to the trucker convoy. Um, yeah, and that was by far the, the large sum of financing was from bank accounts. And yeah, they, they got mostly, I don't know how long they were frozen. Do you know, like a week or something? I have no idea. I have no idea how long they were frozen. I know um, some Bitcoin companies participated in that freezing. There was uh, Newton, 
Newton was a participant, so it was well simple. Uh, there may have been more, but those two were very public about their freezing of Bitcoin um, and crypto accounts of their users during the trucker convoy because people donated to the truckers. So, I mean, like this goes to show you if if you want to do a protest with Bitcoin you begin with the bitcoin education that's not something you bring in on week three uh you, you gotta instill some self-sovereignty values in this group of revolutionaries if that's how you want to do things because like <laughs> i'm just imagining is getting frozen by middlemen no no like, i'm just imagining you like best. setting up a table and being like okay everyone come over here and roll your dice <laughs> we need to figure this out it's just like it's it's kind of a funny image um at, at like a truck yeah honestly like that i think that <laughs> if people had gone in you know rolling rolling dice in their sleeper cabs you'd yeah. be a lot better off yeah you're probably right but gotta scale gotta and if they realized the power they had in Bitcoin, they would realize they don't need a violent revolution. Bitcoin is a oh, non-violent that's, revolution. That's, was there violence? There was threats of violence, that's for certain. Interesting. Um, and like, again, like if if I feel like if these people understood, I don't agree with with these protesters about anything, but I do support their right to protest, and more than that, I I strongly support their right to Bitcoin. And if they want to see their goals, uh, which in this case, as I understand them, is to remove themselves from the influence of the federal government, um, there's a way to do that. And they don't need to go sit on a bridge spending other people's money to do it. They, they can just do it. And that's the power of Bitcoin. It empowers you to protest nonviolently, passively, uh, and, and just exclude yourself in ways from the economy in ways that protect you and send a message that like no my economy isn't going to be part of this tyranny if you believe you're under tyranny yeah and going a step further there like bitcoin is going to empower some interesting revolutions maybe not in our lifetime but eventually because um, like it enables um factions smaller provinces or or like uh, disenfranchised yeah. minorities it, it enables these these people to you know take possession of their finances and somewhat separate from um the larger federal family in a in a financial way and that seems to be the the main chain around uh, these people's necks is like the finance it's like you can't you can't succeed because we have control of the banking system and you're fucked in terms of of your tax revenue and whatever else because we can just we can fucking flip a switch and seize it if you choose i think that's true name. regardless of party that you support in oh, canada yeah, or absolutely. america for that matter we live under I no mean, i'm just canada talking generally generally like this is a multi-party system yeah it is and it doesn't matter who you elect there every party that you are able to elect whether you're canadian whether you're american whether you're European is uh, is the corporate party. Yep. You can elect the neoliberals, neoconservatives. I mean, this applies to every country. And they both in the have world. the same policies. Like this is yeah. this is not just North America. This is every country in the world. Yeah. Well, in Westernized countries, we, we pretend that we've got multi-party systems, but 
the amount of view that is allowed to be acceptably expressed in that multi-party system is in fact a very narrow window. The Overton window is incredibly narrow um, and constantly shifting to the, the right as it seems. But you're only allowed this set of political views and they're all pro-company. You can't have any anti-corporate views and get elected in government. So there's only pro-corporate parties because that's where the money is. That's where that's who funds political campaigns. We got rid of our campaign finance laws a good long time ago because uh, we didn't want Jack Layton to win another thing. So that's I what mi- we do now. Is, I miss Jack Layton a lot. <laughs> like that, I that didn't was really the last... understand why everybody liked him so much. Oh, I, but I mean, he was a breath of fresh air. He, was. I, I he seemed like that. an honest guy and like... I don't know. And none I'm, of them I, are honest. I'm, well, true, but I miss his style. He just seemed like a a good one. Um, I yeah. missed for a moment the idea that Canadians might support more progressive policies. But, I mean, that's not really possible, again, for the reasons already cited, is even if we did have a Jack Layton hypothetical government in our history... I don't actually think anything would be substantively different. I don't think that we'd have a different electoral process. I don't think that we'd have better social programs. We would be where we are. Yeah, that's the nature of... We have a one-party system. Oh, yeah. It's the corporate... Corporate money runs the world. And so, like, there's this this circus, this, this kind of parade vigorous vigorous debate within that ex- that little box of acceptable views i think uh, i think chomsky calls it manufacturing consent where it's like you've got a little window of what we can debate about but we'll debate as fiercely as we possibly can about it to give the illusion of freedom of thought and views and ability to disagree when in reality the ways that you're allowed to disagree that are socially acceptable are are, are prescribed it's a circus it's a show they're, yeah, they're going to put it's on a show and just do whatever they they are going to do. And that's why I don't really see like the CBDC thing going the way you want it to. <laughs> it's like it, it, it won't. It won't. Which is why I'm lobbying it the way I am yeah. is because even even knowing they're not going to use a CBDC to protect us. But we as as users, as citizens need to know that we could use a CBDC to protect us because that that's what we need frankly we, we need a revolution where we change the way that we govern ourselves and where we change the way that our governments do things like manage our identity and manage uh, our financial tracking and things like that 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 more seriously balances the needs of of the citizen and the user as opposed to continuing being at the expense of the citizen and user and feeding the often paranoid and non-related needs of the government yeah, I don't see like this. I don't see that happening from within. No, um, ever. But from without, maybe, maybe outside. Maybe we just, you know, do our own thing outside here and keep trucking along in Bitcoin land, and it won't even fucking matter in in fiat world. All we can do. I I honestly think that there's two ways that we see change. The first is that a opportunizing politicians, which we've started to see more of. Uh, attempt to pander and bandwagon and serve policies that are in our interest even temporarily out of a desire to seek our votes should we become a large enough demographic the other way is could we become a large enough demographic the fact that we've denied 
our local governments, our economy will cause them to react severely, whether that is an attempt to incentivize us back or whether it's an attempt to disincentivize us back, but there will be a reaction. So it's just, it's really just about protecting ourselves in the meantime, you know, do what you need to do to protect yourself from your peers, from hostile entities, be they government or companies or otherwise. And when we reach a critical mass, there will come a point where they can't enforce abusive financial policy anymore. I agree, but you do need that optionality to leave jurisdictionally yes. as a physical body. So, And that's why I think El Salvador is very important to protect um, in terms of everything. Um, where... They're basically doing at a national level what we're talking about at an individual level. They didn't like the monetary policy of the U.S. dollars, so they they hedged and they they voted out yeah um so my my shtick here is like okay um, el salvador is our beachhead we should protect it not at all costs but very strongly we should protect it um and and reward it with our dollars and our attention and our support um in terms of voice um, because that's going to hopefully lead to more jurisdictions doing the exact same thing. And then we're going to have more optionality as a result. And eventually the world's just going to catch up and be like, yep, we're going to do everything that El Salvador is doing. <laughs> and uh, that would be the ideal. Um, that's going to take yep. a fucking long time. but Generational. But um, it starts in that one country, in the smallest country in uh, South America, and so, like, uh, I really want to go there I, someday. <laughs> well, we'll go together. We'll go for the 100K party. It's wonderful. Oh, yeah. um, and yeah. I agree with you in that it's it's a necessary uh, example and incentive to show that, like, countries adopt Bitcoin because there are all these positives. But it's not necessary we have the Salvadorian beachhead uh yeah as users to protect ourselves oh it's very like, useful are, though it's very worth defending i'm just saying it's, it's, it's absolutely it's worth great. defending for a lot of reasons especially for creating the incentives for other countries to adopt as you're saying yeah. but it, when we didn't have it and if we lost it we would still be able to defend ourselves even in the physical locations that are hostile i mean like if we couldn't defend ourselves in physical locations that are hostile then bitcoin bans would be effective and thankfully they're not yeah, and that's my theory is that we still have some freedom in the West, even though there is some manufactured circuses going on. So, um, And we always will. We'll always have the degree of freedom that Bitcoin promises us. The, the issue is, is that like if you're a patriot of your country, if you love your country, men and women, you, you want your country to succeed and you want what's best for yourself and your peers. And that is your government adopting Bitcoin. So I'm just laughing at these GIFs in the chat. Uh, shout out to C. Funk. I'm loving this. I'm loving these. Uh, Freedom! America. America. Live free or die, eh, New Hampshire? I don't think that's a regulation gun in, in Canada, but... <laughs> I, I don't know. Can you shoot a moose with that? Am probably. I be... probably. <laughs> Love it. It's my understanding of the barriers. <laughs> Can you shoot a moose? And how many? How, how big is the clip? I think we got clip size restrictions as well. Yeah, not semi-automatic kind of restrictions. I have no idea. I'm not a gun person. Yeah, my understanding of the like automatic versus not automatic debate is is very much uh, 
made up. Well, I, I saw this video of a guy with a hunting rifle and he just was able to to like flip the trigger so fast with his one finger that it was like an automatic yeah. weapon. So it's like you can have the skill to, to make any weapon uh, uh, more powerful. It's just... Yeah, if automatic is just like a rounds per minute designation, yeah. then I mean, there's a lot of hair triggers that you can have yeah. incredibly high rounds per minute too. You're right. So like, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a kind of made up distinction. Um, as a Bitcoiner, uh, living in Canada, rural Canada especially, uh, I think that it's one of the few instances in which uh, owning and understanding how to use a firearm can be important. Um, rural Canada, you know, being a place with a lot, of, a lot of wild animals, you know, I think you should have probably a shotgun on hand with your birdshot, birdshot, buckshot. <laughs> and yeah, know how to defend yourself. And I don't, I don't think you need a handgun to do that. And I don't think you need a sniper rifle to do that. And I don't think you need a AK-47 to do that. A shotgun will do you just fine. Yeah, there's a whole like Bitcoin gun subculture, which is kind of interesting, but uh, I don't know. Maybe we, it's a little. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't think we'll go down. Yeah, I, I'm not. Hole. I'm I'm not big on the gun subculture. I know a lot of users are, especially the more libertarian ones. There's kind of like an overlapping interest set there, but uh, I am for people protecting themselves and their rights and the, the reality is you don't need a shotgun or a handgun to protect yourself in downtown vancouver no. maybe we should make some laws allowing you to have some some pepper spray <laughs> which we don't allow uh yeah. specifically for downtown vancouver but you don't need a gun yeah i'm not really a fan of the self-defense laws in canada because you basically can be charged with assault if you defend yourself which is you have to be very careful to yeah. use appropriate restraint Which when you're defending I'm, yourself. Yeah, you gotta be. Yeah, you gotta. You get also a good judge. can't have a weapon. You're not allowed to have a weapon in Canada. And anything can you're be a weapon. To... That's the thing. It's like... Well, see, the thing is, is anything can be a weapon, and that's the loopholes. Uh -huh. You're allowed to defend yourself with any weapon, but you're not allowed to have a weapon. So, so long as you're just using what is available to you as a weapon, that's legal and that's allowed. But if you bring bear mace or uh, not bear mace, uh, like pepper spray around with you in downtown Vancouver, they're like, well, there's no reason to use that except for on other people here. So like you, you brought a weapon. Whereas if you're walking through, you know, a campground with bear mace and you have to defend yourself with bear mace, they're like, oh, yeah, of course you had bear mace on you. You, you were in the woods. Hmm. Uh, yeah, um, I like American laws better. <laughs> No, I can't say I like American laws better, but I also think that Canadian laws need a tweak in, as relates to self-defense, specifically as relates to non-lethal self-defense. Like, you're not killing anybody with pepper spray. Yeah. Well, I'm... Mind you, you ever been in a room where that shit's gone off? No. I, actually, no, I was in a protest where there was... Um... No pepper spray, uh, tear gas. Mm. Yeah, and that, know, yeah, that shit burns. It stings. Yeah. you get it in your throat, and you can taste it. It's bad. You bring your anarchist's cookbook with you next time. <laughs> They'll sort you out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. That's the craziest thing. Is like we we live in a point in time where defending yourself and your interests through Bitcoin through protest is is a very dangerous thing. Just because I don't agree with, for example, these Canadian trucker protesters, 
doesn't change the fact that I'm acutely aware that it is a dangerous time to be protesting. We see all these protests being broken up across the world, France, here, the U.S., where grotesque displays of violence are on scene. The kinds of violence that we would typically see in, in police reels from decades ago. Something pretty foreign to North Americans, at least in the last couple of years. Um, and now they're, they're our norm once again. So I'm, I'm pretty fearful for protesters. And that's part of why I like Bitcoin so much is it protects protesters. You don't have to put yourself on the street and risk getting tear gassed or hosed when you can deny your oppressors their money. I think it's an even more effective form of protest than going on the street. You're a thousand percent. You're right. removing your energy from their system and opting into a new system that is more empowering and arguably more secure. Um, I think it is more secure. Oh, it's objectively more secure. And I think that as more people do what you're suggesting in especially abusive regions, um, you're going to see those abusive regions react, outlawing Bitcoin, limiting its accessibility, uh, making all kinds of arguments about how it's for criminals and morally denigrating it. And that's what we've seen in most areas. Anything to keep you away from your Bitcoin, whether it's by force, conjecture, lie, just whatever dissuades it. Because the reality is, is if, for example, everybody that was upset about George Floyd, the pandemic, um, all these different parties with different reasons for being upset about the government, uh, sometimes even directly opposed reasons, if they all agreed to just take their money out and stop participating, that government would collapse. Maybe they'll just print more money. <laughs> I mean, they can, but if no one's using it, then the economy is going under and then government follows shortly thereafter. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the day that like there's a global revolution of just moving the fuck out of traditional finance and into Bitcoin. Just as a fuck you to the entire apparatus, which is... I don't know. I think that's in the cards eventually because there is a there is a minority of people who are awake to this issue. Um, not everyone is, but that's fine. Um, I think a lot if, of people don't have a reason to protest. They just want to make money, and that's the stage they're at. Sure, um, but I think we do get to a dystopian point where it becomes like this um, necessary thing. It's like I need to get the fuck out of out of fiat. Um, Anyways, I can't, I still can't even like, so disappointment with your government on one hand, I got out because I had disappointment with all these companies. My government was letting all these companies abuse me and is still letting all these companies abuse me and they're not protecting me. So I got to protect myself. I hate the banks. I, you know, going through 2006 through 2008, I had to deal with the banks screwing me and everyone else over. And right then and there, I was like, never again. You know, I'm never trusting these banks. I'm not going like, to let my money stay with them. Thankfully, I didn't have a whole lot of money at the time because of the aforementioned crashing. But, you know, as I did reacquire wealth, even just trying to interact with banks, I found it so frustrating, so angering. Like, I can't possibly do it. I can't do it to this day. Having them tell me that, like, I can only have $5,000 of my money at a time in a day, I can only send ten thousand dollars a month. 
I sit there while I'm in those meetings and I'll, I'll move outrageous sums of money back and forth just as a fuck you to them in the conversation. Like with, <laughs> look, I just, in this conversation, I've moved several hundred thousand dollars, like just back and forth a thousand times. It's like, you tell me I can't move yeah. 10k a month. It's like, like it's nanny. why isn't it my money? Well, it's not even the companies who are enabling or or like they're they're responding to regulation and where the yeah they're responding to AML rules yeah and where do the rules get set? Um, they themselves maybe advocate for these rules because it, it creates a walled moat, but it's it's also you know government stooges and bureaucrats who want more power, um, more surveillance of your financial data through FinTrack. Um, yep. and that seems to be escalating even more. Um, for instance, yep. like the, the finance department for Canada came out recently with a kind of, um, what's it called? A consultation asking for like feedback on, on new rules, uh, saying like they basically want the old powers they got during the pandemic for seizure of assets. They want these rules permanently. Um, they, they want more than that, yes, frankly. Yeah, they, they want um, beneficial owner information for basically everything across the board. They want detailed uh, KYC and ownership information for like every single transaction. Yep. Uh, they want source of funds. Targeting... They want source of funds yeah. audits for source anything that is like excessive, maybe above ten thousand dollars. So if you buy a boat, they want to if you buy a boat dramatically increase the observation capacities. <laughs> if you have, if you buy a boat in Canada, you may be audited for those source of funds. Even if you buy cash, you buy anything in cash in Canada, and you're going to be audited for those sorts of funds yeah. because you take the thing out in cash, the bank has to apply, uh, create a suspicious transaction and report yep. because yep. the amount you took out is over five thousand dollars, and right then and there you've begun the the trail thought, to investigate whatever you're in cash. Isn't it? 10? Is it? I, I recalled it being five. Maybe I'm wrong. I think so. Um, yeah, and and then if you go, if, if you're like, okay, well, I don't want that to happen, so like, I won't, I'll go under that amount. Then they have to file one because you're structuring. Yep. So uh, <laughs> the general overview of all of this is like they want more information on everything you do financially. There's going to be a massive database where all this lies, and it's going to be a honeypot for bad actors. If it... Oh no! I wish there was a massive database where all this lies, and it would be a honeypot. That's my proposal. That's what, what I wish they would do, because what? quite frankly, one database where all this information lives, secured by by the same uh, mechanisms true. they're using to secure your secure social security information and things, is infinitely superior than a thousand Canadian companies all with this information. Yeah. None of them with a financial incentive to protect it, leaking it every time they get hacked or go bankrupt. There's multiple ones, multiple databases with the same exact information. It's... And none of it even remotely secure. Yeah. So yeah. like what's happened here is they've created burdens on business through this regulation yeah. that is multiplied by each business that has to do it. When if they would just do it once and provide software tools and libraries for businesses and end users to do things like validate if a user is in their database, you, you could have things like businesses don't need the user's information. They don't need to record your name, your phone number, your address. They can just take an identifier from you know, the government of Canada, you provide the information to the government of Canada through a portal. 
or a, a, a library or whatever. And the government of Canada is like, yep, that person's who they say they are. And none of your personal information has to leave the government of Canada's servers or get even seen by the business, let alone for them to monetize and market to you or scam you or anything like that. That's what I think we actually do need. I would put all our eggs in one basket because that's way better than what we currently have. So on all this, um, the accelerationists are going to love me for this comment. Like, all of this, just all this more AML, KYC, surveillance information, all of this just incentivizes people to move to the green market even more, yeah, which where, where Bitcoin lives. So if you want a better reason for people to not use your fiat Canadian dollars or U.S. dollars, do it. Absolutely yep. do it. Because like we have no incentive to use your bullshit 1984 surveillance script. We know, yep. we know, we see you. We're getting, and that's we're honestly getting the not fuck what out. we want. If if we're, you know, I, I don't know about you, Fitch, but like, I want Canada to do well. Yeah, I want it to have good government. I absolutely. want its citizens to succeed. So it's like when we when we submit responses to these requests for comments. I'm begging like, them. I'm begging them. Please yeah, do this. Yeah, it's not coming from a malicious place where it's no. like, we, we want to hurt Canada or we, we think the government is bad. Like, I love the government. VH might hate you, but I think the government <laughs> can be fantastic. It's just people, and I love people. So if we could just as people agree that money laundering is actually happening in the real estate and casino sectors and not in crypto, that'd be great. If we could just agree that having all these businesses redo the same amount of work over and over and, and not secure any user's information isn't producing results, and that'd be great. Like, I feel like there are reasonable solutions that protect users' privacy and dramatically increase their privacy and also dramatically increase the efficiency of the actual anti-money laundering that that governments and citizens should want to see. Because, like, frankly, I don't I don't want to be funding murderers and you know people traffickers and things like that with my my dollars. Yeah, I, I, I do want money laundering to to be combated. I just I know statistically that what they're proposing doesn't combat money laundering, and I know it does create enormous harm and hardship in the forms of identity theft for end users. Uh, attacks on their physical person for end users, as we're seeing in Richmond, BC currently, as regards to things like the ledger leak, we're seeing people actually get physically assaulted for owning Bitcoin and having leaked information to these companies. And I think that there's a moral obligation on the government that if they want this information, they need to handle it in a way that is private and, and protects citizens' rights. And the only way I can see to do that is through either a CBDC or a centralized program like this. Yeah, I just don't see it. Being... No, they're never going to do that. No. That's <laughs> one that would fuck over businesses. Businesses do not want to let go of your information, and they're glad that the government is making them collect it. And two, those same businesses are the ones that are funding the political parties. This, this is never going to happen. With that said, I, I, I do want to make a good faith comment to any government officials who are listening to our podcast. <laughs> the one, the, the one CSIS <laughs> agent. Hello, thank you for listening in. Um, <laughs> I, I do believe there's good people in the government and they're, they are listening and they do need good voices to provide them ammunition. We are that ammunition. Um, I hope you guys make good decisions because, you know, 
Canada. They're not empowered to is well, the sad reality. Yeah. Like the people that are listening to this be brave. Are be brave. Gathering. I think they can be brave though. They are well, operators. They can, and, and they'll send out reports. So like, who's that douchebag in the U.S.? Jason Lowry. Yeah. Uh, who's doing the whole? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's the spook. Uh, he's kind of in his own way pushing a kind of you could call it a pro Bitcoin narrative in the United States government uh, at the Department of Defense level. And he got silenced, even though that was his job and he was asked to do that uh, well, because they didn't like the pro-Bitcoin. That might be marketing right? by him. It's like, oh, I was canceled, therefore buy my book. because I'll it's... be honest, taking your book off of sale and handing it out for free uh, against the DOD's wishes doesn't sound like good marketing to me. It sounds like... Well, the thing is, these books are are like are trading on eBay for thousands of dollars now because they're limited print. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is a bit of a grift, in my opinion. Well, I I would certainly say selling a free text for thousands of dollars is a grift, but yeah. I couldn't say that what he's doing is a grift or not. Well, for all you know, he's behind the eBay accounts who are selling these for thousands of dollars. <laughs> i don't know that i don't uh, know that and i think that he might get in some serious shit if that ended up being the case in fact i think that he'd he'd lose his position yeah anyways um i just don't think but yeah he... i see that happening in the canadian government too I, like i, I see on lowry i don't think his psyop worked and that's why they're pulling back on him it's like oh this guy got nowhere. He got nowhere. really. Yeah. I feel like it was really effective. Psyop in, in terms way? of like the Twitter crowd loved it. The uh, Twitter crowd loved no, it. actually, he got a lot of pushback um, in the Twitter crowd. Lots of flack. People, really, I never. Yeah, people called saw him out. a lot of flack. Oh yeah, that. absolutely. People were mostly against him on Twitter. Mm. Well, whatever the reason, uh, he's not talking now. So, yeah. Um, and honestly, like if if there was a government employee of some kind that was like their job was to monitor the Bitcoin space for whatever reason, um, I honestly don't think that their recommendations would carry any weight um, at all. In what way? Like with the government? That's just not, yeah, it's just not the hierarchy of of responsibility. People that gather data don't make decisions. Sure, they they can make recommendations though, and um, they sure. they can frame things in such a way that are are beneficial for the narrative or not. So so let's if if we thought that our t intelligence community in Canada or the U.S. was pro Bitcoin, do you think that that would change the political will? Because there's a lot of things that the intelligence community is for that don't change the political will. And we've seen that in Canada recently with the uh, Chinese election interference scandal, for example. I don't... It was well-documented by intelligence officers, brought to the political forefront, and yet the political will wasn't to act on it because that would have been bad politically. I don't think And they're... I think that you could maybe see the same as for Bitcoin. I don't think they're negative on it. I think they're neutral and aware and just observing, which is fair. Like, they should. They really should. Yeah. No, I agree. They should. I hope that they're, I hope that they're observing. I, I fear what they're observing. I fear that they are watching the Twitter spaces and the scams and just have a broad appreciation for the harm and not the good. Yeah. And there might be some honey potting, um, going on and some false flagging and, you know, just 
just uh, don't sell. Like if you're selling, uh, here's a good point for the audience. If you're selling Bitcoin peer to peer and the person you're selling Bitcoin to says, oh, by the way, this cash, I got it from a drug deal. Do not sell that Bitcoin to that person because they are probably a federal agent trying to entrap you. This has happened before in America yep. mainly. So be careful out there. Uh, that's that's good advice. Whether it's um, whether it's somebody that's trying to entrap you or not. Like honestly, we get people in the chat here from time to time looking for support, and they'll they'll reveal through conversation that they're looking to say launder money or that they've done something that I view is unethical. And like, if somebody's doing something that's unethical, don't enable them. That's <laughs> not difficult. Um, you don't need to go prying into anybody else's business, but like if it comes to your attention that somebody's doing something that arms you or your peers, just stop. Yeah, I agree. How long have we been going? Uh, hour 38 minutes. Yeah, it's an hour 38. Not bad. Uh, I feel like we, we covered a lot. Holy shit. We were oh, only supposed to rag on Bitcoin Magazine, but we, we went through the... That was only like 20 minutes. <laughs> <and then> we... <laughs> We really got another love, hour and ten yeah, that. We really just cover everything here. Uh so anyone in the audience have fun. anything to say for yourselves, you beautiful much of an audience beautiful today, people. You know, hey, I love these three gorgeous people. people. Motor yeah, I'm about the gifts. Like yeah. we should just have a constant <laughs> gift spam in the chat whenever we're it. doing these. Uh, I love it. Uh, no, you got you got any other things you want to talk about today? Um I I guess I'll just leave you with this thought that I'm, I'm overwhelmed with sadness at what our community has become and what our, our ecosystem currently looks like. These middlemen are worse than what I left 10 years ago to come to Bitcoin. And I'm so glad that for me, like they're not part of my Bitcoin experience, but I'm so sad they're part of so many others. Right. Fair point. Thanks everyone for listening today, for joining us. Um, this is an interactive show. Anyone can jump up on stage. You just have to request it and we'll let you talk and ask questions and have your, your little rant. But um, yeah, um, anyone's welcome. It speaks to how deeply unpopular we are that no one <laughs> ever does. <laughs> It really just speaks to where we're shouting into a void, no one listening. No, Old people man listen. yells at clouds. It's fine. We just don't like. I don't really promote this discussion as much. Oh, as no, you should. I mean, it's like, like, it's like not something key, to be promoted. It's just a discussion. It's low key. I I find the val the value in the discussion itself. I don't really need an audience to be validating any of this. Yeah, like, good for me. <laughs> Anyways, on record. <laughs>